Welcome to The Bid, where we break down what's happening in the markets and explore the forces changing the economy and finance. I'm your host, Carrie King, Global Deputy CIO within BlackRock's Fundamental Equities business. As we continue Women's History Month, The Bid welcomes four senior female leaders at BlackRock and their guests for four special crossover episodes in partnership with Samara Cohen's LinkedIn series, In Progress. I'm excited to continue this mini-series as we speak to some incredible female leaders about progress and purpose. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Carrie Mandel. Carrie is the owner and founder of Empower Yoga. Carrie started her journey with yoga 13 years ago while searching for a way to become more active and find balance in her life. Through the years, yoga transformed Carrie physically, emotionally, and spiritually, allowing her to connect with others, improve her fitness, and gain a better understanding of her true inner self. Having worked for over a decade as a special education teacher and school administrator, Carrie is a teacher at heart. She is an, also an ultra runner, an Ironman, a CrossFit and triathlon coach, and a leadership expert with unstoppable energy and a can-do attitude that energizes and inspires others, including myself. Carrie, welcome. Thank you for having me. You and I met on the yoga mat, so to speak, a few years ago at your studio. I know yoga is a very big part of your life. What brought you to yoga 13 long years ago and what keeps you so committed? When I first discovered yoga, I found it actually at a very difficult point in my life. I was 27, had just gotten married, found out that I wasn't going to be able to have children. And that was really challenging for me, a little bit of a dark place. And a friend of mine said, you need to go to yoga. And I was like, what is yoga going to really do for me? And one thing we say now is that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And it was just the time. And I went, I remember getting on my mat, doing these moves that I've never done before. And it was so uncomfortable, yet so liberating. I remember sitting there and just crying. And all my emotions, all of the stuck energy, all the pent-up feelings that I was having just released. And afterwards, I felt refreshed and renewed. I started going regularly and noticing a big difference mentally, physically. Yoga is truly remarkable. I think it teaches us a lot about who we are. It reminds us to be present, to be in the moment. Oftentimes, it shows us how strong we are too. And whatever we do on the mat can often translate off the mat as well. We learn how to breathe. We learn how to take on obstacles and new difficult poses and we can overcome them. And then we can start to do that in our lives as well. I love it so much and I'm so grateful for the practice. Your story is very interesting. So you were a special ed teacher and a school administrator in your prior career. Tell us about that and what fueled the change. I had gone to school at Providence College, got my degree in elementary and special education, followed that up with a degree in special ed, was working as a special ed teacher, really enjoyed it, but I wanted to make more of a bigger impact. And I decided to get into administration because I thought I could make some more changes and help more people. But what I quickly discovered was that wasn't necessarily the case. 
being a school administrator was really challenging. And while I had some really great moments, I also didn't have the control that I thought I would have. I was becoming a little disenchanted with public education. And as an administrator, the teachers were mad at you or the parents didn't like you. It was a very tumultuous environment to be in sometimes. When I started really getting into fitness and my fitness became such a huge part of my life, I decided to switch careers and to make a career in fitness. It was unexpected. I think a lot of people were surprised when I told them that I was going to leave my job and open a yoga studio. But You have one life and you got to do what makes you happy and you got to live it. I think change can be really hard. It can feel very uncertain, very uncomfortable, even risky. How did you move past the discomfort of making that change and taking the leap to such a big transition in your life? I wanted to open a yoga studio. Yoga had been such a big, huge part of my life and had done so much for me over the years that I wanted to give back to others. As I mentioned previously, as administrator, you sometimes get all the hate. That's one thing I love about the studio now is that I get to be the best part of people's day, which is pretty incredible. When I thought about opening the studio, I thought about what it would take. And financially, what did that mean for me? What did that mean for my husband? What did that mean for our family? And at the end of the day, it was a risk that I was comfortable taking. I thought, you know what? If it didn't work out, The worst that could happen would be like the cost of a college education. And opening up a business is just like that. It's an education. I knew that if that was the worst case scenario and I was comfortable with it, I said, why not do it? And that's what we did. It wasn't easy. Our first location fell through. And there was a few years when I quit my job to when the actual studio opened that I was working all kinds of different jobs. I tried to piece things together to make some money working at other yoga studios, teaching, coaching. It was hard. At one point, my husband looked at me and was like, you need to get your job back. And I was like, no. Challenging things happen, but it's about overcoming them, seeing it through, and not giving up. So not giving up. That's interesting that you mention it. Something that absolutely astounds me and inspires me are the physical feats that I know that you've accomplished. So let me just recap them for our listeners. You've done the World Marathon Challenge, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's seven marathons on seven continents in seven consecutive days. You've also completed a 100-mile run. What motivates you to embark on these sorts of extreme physical challenges? I can imagine they're also very emotionally challenging. Definitely. Going back to when I came to yoga, I wasn't a very active person. I didn't really become active until much later in life. The turning point was trying to discover what my body could do. I thought that I was going to have this life, this career, these kids, this family. And when that was taken away, I decided, forget about what my body couldn't do. So I couldn't have kids. What did that mean for me? And my life changed. I started to think about what I could do. And that's how I started completing these feats. I wasn't a runner. So I decided to start running. I met a girl at the gym who was running on a treadmill and she was wearing a weighted vest. And I remember walking up to her and saying, what are you doing? What are you training for? And she said, the Boston Marathon. And I started getting the gym early and I would walk next to her. And before I knew it, I would jog next to her. And then she introduced me to a running group and I started running. So from there, I always upped the ante. I trained for a 10 miler and then a half marathon. And then I did my first marathon. And when I finished that, it was amazing. I felt like I was on top of the world. And then I was like, well, I want to do all the world major marathons. And once I finished that, I want to do all the marathons on all the continents. And then once I finished that, I was like, I want to run further. It was just about discovering my edge and tiptoeing past it and really getting uncomfortable. And that's been a big part of my push and my desire to do all these things. 
I remember when you came back from the World Marathon Challenge and you were talking about it at the yoga studio and I think your first marathon, the seven day in the Arctic, and you were talking about how treacherous it was. And I remember you saying, I said, how did you finish it? And you said, I knew there was no chance I was not going to finish every single marathon, no matter what. I don't know where that empowerment comes from. It's just so interesting to me. Antarctica was really challenging. My mantra during that race was actually, you will not break me. So the World Marathon Challenge takes place in February. I was one of 166 people and 34 women in the world to ever do it. And when we were preparing for it, Antarctica, February is summer. So typically, the weather is about 32 degrees. So it's something I'm very comfortable running in. But what was unexpected is I had a cold front that year. So it was actually negative 20 with 50 mile per hour gale force winds. It was freezing. I ended up with frostbite and two fingers and a toe. The snow drifts were up to my knees and it was crazy. But I was like, I didn't come this far to only come this far. And it wasn't going to break me. And no matter how cold I was or whatever was happening around me, I was just going to do it. And I was determined with anything in my life, anything that I really believe in or anything I really want, I will make it work or figure out a way to the best of my ability to get it done. And that's just how I've always been. When people said, you can't open a yoga studio, what are you doing? You don't know anything. I'm like, I'm going to learn it. Watch me. I will make this work and I will make it happen. So when people doubt me, I usually say, watch me. When you finish a feat like the World Marathon Challenge, how do you feel when you complete it? How much time do you give yourself to revel in the accomplishment before your brain goes to what's next? How do I up that? Honestly, every finish line is the start of the next race. It was a huge accomplishment. I remember crossing the finish line in Miami and thinking, wow, I can't believe I did this. After that, I took a couple days and I let it try to sink in. But it was so big. I trained for it for so long and I wanted it for so long that it almost felt surreal when it was actually happening. And when it was over, it had this big moment of, wow, you finished, but how do you top that? Where do you go from here? Two weeks later, COVID hit and the world shut down. So you went from being on top of the world, literally, to then isolated and home alone and you're not able to go anywhere or travel. And I don't do well when I feel trapped. So that was really challenging. Couldn't wait to get back out and do another race. I was chomping at the bit to go out and do something. How do you prepare yourself physically but also mentally for these extreme adventures that you've accomplished. It's definitely more mental than physical. Your body won't go where your mind won't let it. Your mind gives up way before your body does. So it's convincing yourself that you can do it. And for me, it's about putting myself in uncomfortable situations all the time because the more uncomfortable you are, then you develop grit and resiliency and it just makes you stronger and better. When things start to happen or come up, you already have these experiences that you can pull from to help you continue to keep moving on, to keep going forward. I do spend a lot of time training different hours of the day in different conditions. I also listen to a lot of books. I like listening to David Goggins. He's crazy. Most people think that I'm crazy, but I like a David and he's at a whole other level too. David Goggins is a Marine and he has a really incredibly unique story because he grew up in poverty and he's kind of become this machine. And his whole goal in life is to just try to show people what's really possible and that you can do hard things. And he tries to live by those examples. When I was younger, I didn't think that I could do things. I never thought I could run. We kind of pigeonhole ourselves into thinking that your life has to be a certain way or this is what it's supposed to look like or this is what you can and can't do. So it's about discovering what it is. So for me, David Goggins was great. He talks about being uncommon amongst the uncommon. I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to be different. I want to be unique. I want to go against the grain and I want to challenge myself and challenge those around me, my clients, my students in the studio to stoke that fire within, to start believing in themselves and empowering them to do their impossible. 
that brings me to something I was thinking about, which is self-doubt, which so many of us, probably everybody has moments, some more, some less of self-doubt. It seems like there's really no room for self-doubt when you're preparing for these extreme challenges. Do you ever feel doubt? And how do you deal with it in your physical endeavors and in your life in general? Really, there's no place for it. My attitude about it is you either think you can or you think you can't, and you're right. So if you think you can do something, you're going to do it. If you think you can't do it, you're not going to do it. You already set yourself up for failure. When I want to do something or if I'm trying to tackle really challenging tasks, you can't let that doubt creep in. You got to keep a positive mental attitude and you got to keep pushing forward. So that's why I rely on positive mantras or ideas or pulling from those other experiences. Like you've been here before, you've faced this before you know, tough times don't last. You will get through this. And it's just reminding yourself during those challenging times, because if you doubt, then that's when it's going to fall apart and you're not going to do it. You're going to fail. What are some of the positive mantras that you fall back on? Most recently I did Ironman this past fall. It was really windy. It was probably one of the hardest bike rides with 30 mile per hour winds. I actually got tossed off the bike in this big gust. It was so hard. And anything I'm doing in the moment is the hardest thing I'm doing. Yeah, the World Marathon Challenge is hard, but in this moment, this is the hardest thing. So I was biking and I'm like, I am strong. I am fast. I am brave. I am strong. I am fast. I am brave. Because the wind was scary, you know, and getting thrown off. I was cut up and ended up in a ditch that I'd literally crawl myself out of to get back on my bike to go back into the wind. And I have 20 more miles to go. It would have been very easy to give up, but that's just not me. One of my favorite mantras is, it's a great day to be alive. And I say that often, even when things get a little tough, because I'm like, it can always be worse. So I always try to find the positive and find the good in every day. The world is beautiful. There's amazing things to see and do and experience. And it is a great day to be alive. So a big part of achieving goals is progress. And as we know, progress is not always linear. It can be very circuitous. How do you define progress in your life? Sometimes it can be difficult to define. But for me, it's about reducing missed opportunities and increasing one's capacity to learn new things. Personally, progress for myself is trying really difficult things, doing things every day that are uncomfortable, stepping outside my comfort zone. I try really hard every day to try to be the best and strongest that I can be and better than the day before. So it's taking those little steps each day that overall makes for large progress. In regards to business, I think about my studio, my clients, studio growth. That means getting more clients, maybe larger revenue so that I could have more class offerings and help more people. I think about my classes, progress. I look at where my students started when they came to the studio and where they are now and how much stronger they are physically, mentally. I enjoy that process of watching people grow and develop and be their best and strongest selves. So it's multifaceted, it sounds like for you. Everything you do seems so rooted in purpose. And in the studio, the yoga studio, I hear you talk about purpose all the time. What does it mean to you to work towards a larger purpose? And what is that purpose for you? I think about the World Marathon Challenge, for example. And I knew that when I were in that race that I wanted to do it for myself, but I wanted to do it for something bigger than myself. Because there's so many opportunities to be able to give back and to do something for someone else. Prior to the World Marathon Challenge, I had lost my dad and my stepmom to cancer and cancer has affected a lot of people I know, most recently my mom. So raising money for cancer is really a big part of the philanthropy work that I do because I want all these things to be greater than myself, to help others. That was why I decided to do the World Marathon Challenge. I didn't want to just run it. I wanted to raise money and awareness for the American Cancer Society, and I linked up with them. And when I think about the yoga studio, yoga had helped me so much. It saved me in so many ways that if I could do that for somebody else, that's pretty incredible. I know that the studio is such a big, important part of the community, and you give back in so many ways. So... What's next for Carrie Mandel? Mm -hmm. 
I'll be competing in Ultraman. And this is a three-day event. I've discovered since the World Marathon Challenge, I really enjoy these staged events. Why race for one day when you can race for multiple (laughs) days, you know? Day one is a six and a half mile swim followed by a 90 mile bike ride. And day two is a 171 mile bike ride. And day three is a double marathon. So I look forward to tackle that in Arizona in March. I've been training for this for three years. COVID, last two years, I wasn't able to do it. So I'm finally going to do it. I'm excited. Good luck. And thank you for everything I know that you give back. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Bid. On our next episode, Ann Ackerley invites Dr. Lucy Marcel, co-founder and executive director of Boston Medical Center's Street Cred Program, for a conversation about meeting people where they are, as Dr. Marcel helps to bring financial education to families receiving pediatric care. This material is intended for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice, a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to purchase or sell any securities, funds or strategies to any person in any jurisdiction in which an offer, solicitation, purchase or sale would be unlawful under the securities laws of such jurisdiction. The opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and are subject to change without notice. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the listener. Investing involves risks. BlackRock does and may seek to do business with companies covered in this podcast. As a result, listeners should be aware that the firm may have a conflict of interest that could affect the objectivity of this podcast. For more information, visit blackrock.com forward slash the bid.